0: welcome to the expansive ceo podcast i'm your host hannah chapman founder of expansive ceo and x squared wealth planning buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe welcome everyone to this episode of the expansive ceo podcast i'm your host hannah chapman and i have a guest this week that has been here before And we're going to talk about some new themes that are coming up. So Melanie Marisol, who is a business astrologer, is joining me again because, yes, hello, we are going to talk about Pluto moving into Aquarius, which is a huge transition. Um, It only happens once in a generation, basically, that Pluto moves houses Um, and there's just a lot that... Is going on with this and melanie tell us more um and yeah let's go let's get into it
1: yeah so hello everyone uh listening thank you for having me on here again Uh, i am a business astrologer for heart centered entrepreneurs and ceos with soul helping them figure out the legacy and the generational impact that only they can do and we do that by looking at your astrological birth chart so we are entering into an age of air which means that when we say the age of Aquarius, Aquarius is an air sign. We are moving out of an age of Capricorn. Why are we saying this? Because Pluto is the planet of destruction, regeneration, rebirth. Um, And it's also named after the god of the underworld in Roman mythology, Pluto. Um, And it's generational. So it spends nine to 31 years in one sign, just so you all know. Um, And the reason why that is, It's kind of way at the end of our solar system. I don't care what Neil deGrasse Tyson says. It is still a planet. Okay. Uh, and it does have a a natural orbit around the sun. So we're gonna do some astronomy here as well. Uh so it is kind of a weird um planet. It takes a long time to get around the sun. When we say that it's moving into Aquarius, it means it's currently in the sign of Capricorn. Capricorn is the CEO of the Zodiac, the executive leader. When you think of corporations, that's like Capricorn energy. Um, Very big businesses, very much into structure, uh, very hierarchical. Um, Also Capricorn likes luxury. It seeks status. It's into public recognition. Uh, So again, these can be either good aspects or negative ones, depends on the person's personality. Um, Right now in the collective, as we've noticed, especially since 2020, we have distortions around what Capricorn is. Uh, Sometimes there's greedy corporations. Sometimes um, Capricorn likes to hoard. Um, We're seeing how that's not really sustainable. We have very intense wealth inequality right now. Not good, right? Um, At the same token, Aquarius is the Black Sheep usually, that's the archetype of the Black Sheep, Uh, the futuristic visionary, the humanitarian. So Aquarius is very much focused on liberation for all, whereas Capricorn is more traditional, wants to keep the structure, regardless of if it's sustainable or not. Again, I think both signs come from a good place. It can also be distorted. So when we have Pluto moving into Aquarius, we're having a new age. So not only is uh, Pluto in Capricorn earthy, uh, Pluto in Aquarius is airy. So very much focused on new ways of thought, since air is associated with the mind, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things. So Hannah, if it's all right with you, I'm just going to go over some major themes we will experience. Over the next twenty years.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because let's let's talk about that briefly. So you mentioned that it um Pluto will be in one sign for anywhere from nine to thirty-one years. Mm-hmm. This particular shift will go from we'll have some some bumpiness in this year, and we'll talk about that. And it will go all the way through March of 2043. All right. So we've got just about 20 years um, literally in this in this one house um pluto and aquarius so
1: right keep going yeah so um with pluto and aquarius we're going to be seeing themes of decentralization versus centralization this is especially regarding currency money uh power and data data is a big thing we have big data going on these days Um, surveillance capitalism if you will Um, and there's going to be challenges maybe shifts in power uh, between the united states and the global south Again, doesn't have to be negative, just maybe it means that there's equality for all. Aquarius is focused on liberation for all, wealth redistribution, fairness, right? Uh, we're also going to be seeing with this Aquarian energy, um, advancements in AI and also biotechnology, since Aquarius is all about technology, being online, the internet, futuristic stuff, right? Um, but wrapped up in that, we have liberation for all, an increase in humanitarian thought, And even right now, as we're seeing uh, with the schism struggle going on uh, in Israel, in Gaza, right, we're going to be seeing more increases in disruption or revolts um, that may break out um, over the next few years, especially the next 20 years. Um, So again, it's going to be painful. So Pluto, this destructive, regenerative planet, is going to come in and knock out that which is unsustainable. So if you have a certain group that might be trying to oppress another group, Pluto and Aquarius is not going to tolerate that. Whereas Pluto and Capricorn would try to um, stifle it as much as possible. Mm. (laughs) So that is... Keep the status quo more, right? Yeah. Now, Pluto and Capricorn could have been positive about it, but the humanity that we've been experiencing for the last 15, 20 years or so is not wasn't really interested in doing that. So maybe Pluto and Aquarius hopefully will break that out. Um, And when I'm saying shifts in power between the U.S. and the global south, I'm talking about BRICS. Um, So that was a term that was first coined in 2001 by the Goldman Sachs chief economist at the time, Jim O'Neill, in a research paper that uh, reviewed the growth potential of Brazil, Russia, India, and China. South Africa has since been added on, and it became an informal club in 2009. Sometimes when I say this, people are thinking I'm talking about a conspiracy theory. and <laughs> That's not what I'm promoting at all. It's just explaining that these countries do actually have some growth potential. Uh, and right now they are at least not Russia, but the other ones are kind of considered in the global south. Uh, so this is a way to kind of level the playing field, which is also very querying, uh, between Eastern and Western influences. So, again, doesn't have to mean violence and strife. It could just mean equality. So everyone calm down. Just chill. Um, the last time, uh, Pluto was in Aquarius. Of course, there also was the French Revolution. So, um, Aquarius likes to revolutionize things. Um, the French don't mess around. Not gonna lie. I mean, they're out here protesting even today. They're very proud of it. Uh, so they did not like the status quo. They didn't like Pluto being in Capricorn prior to that. So they just beheaded all the you know aristocracy. Uh, again, do we have to get to the violence? We don't have to. We can all chill. We have the internet these days as well, which is very Aquarian, so now we can connect with people that we normally would never uh, meet uh, in the physical world. So it's good to get all these different perspectives, because Aquarius at the end of the day wants everyone to, I'm not going to say get along, but they want everyone to unite, uh, and they want people to open their minds to better ways of thinking, right? Um, And then eventually, in the next few decades, um, Pluto will go into Pisces, which is all about um, unity consciousness and taking all the experiences and coming together as one. So Aquarius is kind of that bridge. How can we move from getting everyone's perspective uh, and acknowledging that everyone has something to contribute, great and small, okay? Not everybody's going for the big thing. Um, Pluto and Capricorn We see people striving for luxury and status, but kind of they do it at any cost. Whereas Pluto and Aquarius is like, if you like luxury and status, that's cool. But we're also going to equally elevate the person that is not striving for that as well. Opening our our minds to different views of wealth. What is wealth? What is luxury? it is not necessarily the Capricornian thing of labels or physical materialism. Uh, it's more of maybe a luxury of thought, a luxury a luxury of um, open-mindedness, of wonderment. That is the big theme. As Aquarius also activates our hopes, dreams, and wishes in the collectives as well. So one thing you
0: just mentioned that I have not heard anyone else point to yet, um, and I've been like Following and listening and reading about this shift for um, ever since it it had its very first like preview last year in 2023. So I've been reading and listening a lot. No one else has mentioned what comes after Aquarius, right? So that it, <laughs> after it moves through Aquarius, it's going to be in Pisces, and that makes so much more sense when you start to look at it more holistically. Like we are moving through this is a like transition transitionary time moving into an even more um the way you put, you know, unity consciousness, Uh yes. you know, we, we have to, we can't go straight from where we are right now or where we have been with Pluto and Capricorn straight to everyone is equal. And we have, you know, a bigger semblance of global equality. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen in, you know, one shift or one year. We need the time through this transitionary phase to be able to put things in place that will allow that to be possible.
1: Right. Yes. So I wish there was a visualization, um, but there isn't. So I apologize, but basically we are coming out of the age of Pisces, which was ushered in by Jesus Christ around 2023 years ago. Right. And he was just coming up and he was like, Hey, you know, maybe there's, maybe we should be violent towards each other. We don't have to kill each other. He was coming out of the um, age of Aries. Ah, uh, the age of iron and fighting and conquest. So if you were to, I guess if anybody was looking at this on YouTube, basically, the scales are going from Aries to Pisces when Jesus um, was in existence, and then we are moving into Aquarius. But at the end of the day, ah, uh, Pisces is the most mature sign. Aquarius is right behind Pisces. Capricorn is before Aquarius. Uh, yeah. so basically, um where the more you progress through the signs throughout the year, um capricorn is a mature sign uh aquarius is even more mature pisces is like the end-all be-all so um pisces is loving and wants to bring everyone together aquarius is more revolt like hey guys like we got to get together like getting people excited getting people stoked pisces calms everyone down so just so everyone else knows we are recording this near the end of january 2024 everyone's freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, January 1st. um, I'm like, I haven't even done my resolutions. What are my plans for 2024? Everybody calm down. You can have a new year if you want, um, a new calendar year on January 1st. Um, But everyone also is entitled to their own personal new year on your birthday. Uh, And then we also have um, the rest of the astrological year to go. So if we're filming this in Aquarius season right now, um, we have Pisces season to do, uh, which will go until Um, Let's see. Yeah, from uh, February to March, and then by March 21st, then we have Aries season, the first day of spring. So you can also consider March 21st or March 20th as the first day of the year as well. So you still have time to plan your year. Do Do not feel like you have to have everything thought and done by January 1st.
0: Mm, I love that reminder. I, my birthday is in August and, Mm -hmm. um, I have always noticed, right. Like a shift in, in my own energy of like, okay, now I'm ready to go. Um, more so in that August, September timeframe that especially than like December, January, Mm -hmm. that is very much for me. I'm like, I am in, um, like just, keeping things going mode and needing a rest right like going through that first for me what's more like a quarter of growth and then like coming back in to reassess and so it january has for many many years felt like a reassessment time yes. more so than a like launching into something new time um so really really fascinating there too i also love the aries you know in march let's let's start the, our year there like maybe yeah, one day we'll get there. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you have like the spring fever, and everyone's going outside, and like the bunnies are producing bunnies more, and it's like it's the age of fertility, right? The era of fertility. Um, but I also wanted to share with you as well while you're talking Capricorn season. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> begins on the winter solstice, and people that are born in Capricorn season, um, they don't really get a chance to celebrate their birthdays. It's it's a rough time to be born because people are with their family celebrating the holidays. Uh, so Capricorn, we all know that you're the greatest. And I saw a meme and said to God how to humble them because they knew that he knew that they were the best. So they're already like kick butt most of the year. They needed time to chill. But people understand not only is Capricorn the CEO and executive leader of the zodiac, it is a feminine sign, actually. And it is an introverted season of the year. So usually in astrology, the feminine signs go within, the masculine signs are going out, taking the action. So you need the feminine sign to go within and plan and reassess. Then this outgoing extrovert season that follows is the time to take action. So shockingly, maybe mm, if there was more women that were CEOs, maybe we'd have a different form of capitalism. It's a little more conscious, right?
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Right. So when people are freaking out, like, oh, gosh, I haven't done everything by January 1st, um, not only are we starting the dead of winter in the nor- Northern Hemisphere, but it's a feminine sign of um, wintering and chilling out in your cave and just thinking about the past 12 months. So, it's a Capricorn. Actually, if you are a good CEO, you would have the time to reassess and chill. You're not always charging forward. So, again, we got that Pluto and Capricorn that we've been dealing with since 2008 or so. And it's just been a little distorted. Uh, we cannot always be productive 24 7. And actually, being restful is what creates more productivity later. Hmm.
0: So, so well said. Um, I wanted to go back to what you had mentioned. So on, from a, again, like a macro scale, staying a little more macro for just another minute here, what happened last time? So what was the time frame when Pluto was in Aquarius last? That's been talked about quite a bit too. And I would love to hear your take on that.
1: Yeah. So last time Pluto was in Aquarius in the collective consciousness, we'll say, uh, there was the French Revolution in 1789. So revolts, revolution, new way of thinking. I mean, did the French not create another empire with Napoleon? Um, Yeah, they kind of did immediately afterwards. But the point is <laughs> they took out that which was unsustainable because um, at the time, um, Marie Antoinette and her hubby were just spending tons of money that the country did not have and the people were starving. So the people will revolt <laughs> when the status quo is crushing them. Uh, that's just how he- it is with being a human. But at the same time that we had Pluto and Aquarius, There was another astrological transit that was also happening, um, and that was Jupiter conjunct Uranus in the sign of Taurus. So Jupiter, the planet of good luck, expansion, abundance, and opportunity, was working in cahoots, I guess you could say, conjunct Uranus, the planet of disruption, unpredictability, in the sign of Taurus. Taurus is the empress energy, uh, very much into the five earthly senses, very much into being physically present. Kind of immovable since Taurus is is the bull and is probably associated with um, the myth of the great bull of heaven. So you got like very expansive planet with a very disruptive planet and a sign that is really not into moving around. Taurus kind of just chills, right? Um, but at the same time, that was happening. The French Revolution happened in 1789. So the last age of Aquarius with Jupiter conjunct Uranus. There was an outbreak of World War I in 1914 in which the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. So this old status quo, this monarch was murdered, right? Uh, so that instigated a world war uh, and then dragged the US into that. Uh, we also have Charles Darwin promoting an evolution, his theory of evolution in 1858, which is also happening during this conjunction. Um, and then in 1969, there were the Apollo landings so that was interesting going into outer space, very Aquarius energy as well, but this is more for the Jupiter-Conjunct-Uranus transit. Um, and even in 1983, last time Jupiter was conjunct Uranus in Taurus, uh, there was a nuclear war threat and freakout that was happening in 1983. Um, and at the same time, there was the birth of the internet. Hmm. So a shakeup with Uranus and a planet that are in a sign that's really into stability happened with the internet. So in 83, people were like, what is the internet? Like only a nerd would really care right. about the internet back then. Uh, but the people that were very futuristic thinking, maybe those with prominent Aquarius placements at that time, were like, wow, look at this new world that has opened up. So it was it was a time of um, great disruption. So generally whenever Uranus is in Taurus, which it is currently as well right now, uh, it has been for the last few years, um, Uranus is just shaking things up when it comes to money, currency, property, and the climate when people talk about climate change hmm. 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 Uranus the, the airy uh, planet of Uranus shakes up the earthy Taurus so again I think sometimes especially since 2020 people are like oh my god the world's ending mm. our old version of thinking is ending it does not necessarily mean we need to put our energy into dystopian or post-apocalyptic uh, fiction movies or TV shows we don't want to bring that into form it doesn't have to go that way Mm. so how how long
0: that's an interesting one too how long does uranus stay in a particular sign because that would be another longer lasting right. um transit right
1: yeah um uranus both uranus and pluto also have spent a lot of time retrograde so uranus is i'd say 12 to 14 years or so in a sign yeah so it's it's been there for a while it's currently hanging out in taurus for another few years So again, if you're feeling disruption in how you make money, that's okay. Go with the flow. Go where the energy is. Instead of freaking out because the old way isn't working anymore, just be excited. Get excited. Take that energy of freak out and anxiety and maybe reimagine it as uh, excitement. And then that's when the universe can direct you on where to go next.
0: Mm, Such a good segue, I think, into talking about the more personal Sides, So that's like a lot of the societal stuff that has been happening has happened before. Right. And then there's also, you know, each one of us has our own unique blueprint. And so we'll have our own personal um, experience Mm -hmm. of what's happening as well, what has happened, what's going to happen. Um, So I'll tell a brief story Um, for some context. My rising sign is Capricorn mm-hmm. um, and so Pluto just you know went through is finishing its its time in Capricorn Um, my moon is in Aries my sun is in Leo uh, my midheaven is in Libra and Pluto is also mm-hmm. like right there with my midheaven um, in Libra so I when I look back at the last you know from 2008 or so that has been the growth of my career and it has also been a time of what felt like a lot of change, a lot of upheaval, a lot of, you know, some of the hardest moments I have ever experienced in different ways in my in my career. Um, Like things that I did not think would happen, happened, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I had to make big shifts. So that whole sense of like destruction, destruction of literally what I thought my dream was, um, in in finance, in my career, in um, the practice that I worked for for a long time, that you know, it felt like it was crumbling around me, mm-hmm. and having to then it like the phoenix energy of like, okay, we're we're rising somewhere else, right? This is what mm-hmm. this is where this is pointing me to so clearly, and I I totally feel that sense of what you're saying. Like you can either take that and And just the word succumb to it is what's coming to mind. I don't necessarily like that imagery, Um, but, you know, there was a lot, there were a lot of times where, you know, I was really like distraught, like so many tears, so much disbelief in at different times of what was happening Um, therapy for the first time, like all of these things like coming to like, I am going to make it through. This was the energy that I was feeling like pulling me towards what was next Um, and so that's, you know, all of that, like, again, the rise, the fall, the rise again, right. And then all of that feels very Pluto destruction, rebirth, all of that. Um, and so moving into this new season of Pluto moving into Aquarius, like that's, it's been really interesting to me to look back at what did conspire over the last 15 years Mm -hmm. and to think about, okay, well, what does that mean then for the next?
1: Right. So some people have been mentioning that. It's been popular on the pop astrology circuit uh, online. So what you're describing is um, the phenomena of cardinal signs. The cardinal signs happen to be Aries, Libra, Cancer, Capricorn. So if anybody's listening and your big three, which is considered your sun, moon, or rising, is in those signs it probably was affecting a specific area of life for you. In your case, Hannah, um, if Libra is your midheaven and Pluto is conjunct your midheaven, it was just a time of maybe breaking the illusion of what you thought you wanted to do to guide you to where you really need to go. Um, So anybody that has prominent Aries, Libra, Cancer, or Capricorn placements, uh, you have them, Hannah, and so do I. (laughs) What were you doing in 2008? And what were you doing until last year? What were the themes coming up? Um. Did you find that you were maybe your highest self was forged in a fire, per se? And you're like, okay, now I can really handle anything because I had some periods, if not the whole time, of really feeling like I was struggling, like, oh. So this is a sigh of relief with Pluto going into Aquarius. Um, so that's good. It does not mean that you're, the rest of your life is meant to struggle, um, but I think this would also be challenging in the event that maybe somebody might have been born in 2008 there are youth these days that are grown adults voting that were born in 2008. So um, maybe if they if there's a kid born in 2008, it's like, oh, maybe they had a lot of instability in their family or something. And it's like, oh, they grew up with a really um, stressful childhood, or maybe the parents got divorced early on in the um, the kid's life. Um, so I would say that kind of person, I'm not going to say the rest of life will be smooth sailing per se, but they've already weathered the storms; so they're going to be okay. When it comes to understanding how Pluto and Aquarius will affect you personally, it is important to look up your birth chart and click on um, the active transits when we say transits or collective transits it just means the astrological activity um, so for everybody right pluto will be an aquarius but it will be affecting your life specifically with a specific house or area of life so uh, for me personally it will be affecting my 10th house of career so I might find there's uh, some sort of death and rebirth around uh, me as an astrologer. Will I grow deeper into it or will I infuse um, another field of study with my work, right? Instead of saying, MG, I'm freaking out about my career and my identity and my life's work. I am totally screwed. No, it's more like, oh, look, I'm going to maybe go deeper. I'm going to have a death and rebirth. Uh, for Hannah, I think it'll be affecting your first house and your second house. Um, so your identity first with the first house. Um, who are you? What labels do you assign yourself? What identities do you have? Also, the first house has to do with divine masculinity. So the divine masculinity within taking action. Also stepping into leadership. Those are all themes in that first house. And then for other people, maybe it might be affecting their second house. So the second house has to do with cash money, values, uh, what, how you view your possessions, materialism, your relationship to that, um, and also physical pleasures, being fully present, groundedness, and embodiment, and the Mm. empress energy. So for anyone who is listening and you're like, man, I'm not really sure. I don't know how to look up my birth chart. I don't know what house or area of life. I don't know. If you go to my website, melaniemarisol.com slash gift, uh, you will find that um, I have a crash course PDF. So You can um, get that for free and then you can figure out. um, I'll show you how to look up your chart and also how to figure out uh, which house or areas of life are going to be activated. And if there is
0: any like if you're like, I I don't want to figure it out on my own. because I I do that a lot, too. Like Mm -hmm. I love some things I love to dive into and some things I'm like, I just want someone else to like help me along the way. Melanie is amazing. I can say that from experience. Um, having gotten like just, yeah, so much information, um, even from our, the short call, you know, like a 30 minute call together where she really like dove into some of my areas that I was like, oh, that makes so much sense, right? Like when things click together that you understand about yourself better, it's, I, I, that's part of what I love, um, is anything that can help me understand myself better and my experience and, then be able to extend that to other people right if i can understand myself better i can also understand you better and we can have a more collaborative unity consciousness right and that's that's where it goes so anyway yes definitely take melanie up on that um go to her website get that free pdf and if you feel like i actually just want her to tell me what all of this (laughs) means that is also possible right
1: (laughs) Yes, I can help out with that. Um, I myself am also, I have an offer. um, It's basically uh, a year ahead reading. So it's called Season of the CEO, uh, 2024 year ahead as well. So if you want to plan out your year a little bit more, um, astrologically informed, that is also an option. You can find on my website as well. Um, But yes, I mean, it's always important to understand what planetary activity is affecting your specific house, so that you're not just kind of building something in the dark. Might as well illuminate it. So one time I was doing a webinar, and someone was like, "Forget the business plan. We need the astrology plan." And like, I don't want to, I don't want to say that you ditch your business plan either. You just want to use astrology as an extra tool to illuminate the way. That's all. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, I I feel that heavily as well. Um, just in those the different transition phases or knowing yourself better again, like we just talked about, um, knowing your cyclical nature, right? Like when, um, when you feel good in business, where you feel most energized, uh, it, it almost like dovetails perfectly or I say it does dovetail perfectly with a lot of the advice that we see from really, um, really amazing strategy-minded coaches. Um, one that comes to mind is Dan Sullivan of strategic coach. He's been an entrepreneur court coach since the seventies. And, you know, he advocates for planning out time, planning mm-hmm. your time off, planning time off through the year. But then like, also like, when are you going to take a full week off, you know, by quarter by, by year, like make sure you are actually taking time to, again, like we said at the beginning, recuperate, come back in, reassess, and literally just rest, like have time for rest. And I think mm-hmm. understanding your personal astrology along with your the way that your business tends to function seasonally,
1: mm-hmm.
0: most of us do have some seasonality in our businesses. Um, and And instead of that... I want to say that Capricorn energy of push through. I'm like, okay, this is maybe if July is usually a slow month, how do I make July the biggest month ever instead? Right. Well, what if you took a look at how your year normally flows and flow with it instead of trying to like force against it?
1: Right. And that's the thing with July, it could be a good month for some people and could be really slow, but we have to have to remember July for half of it is cancer season. Cancer is about divine femininity and going within and communing with the moon and dealing with your home and your family life. And it can be, family can be challenging for people. So maybe July, you're just moist and unstable (laughs) with that cancer energy. (laughs) It's just time to take off and, you know, go into your feelings. And then at the end of July, we have Leo season begin, which is uh, more extroverted, like being the divine inner child, having fun, maybe go on vacation, right? Um, Also, this is not necessarily related to Pluto and Aquarius, but word on the astrological street is this year, um, there is going to be a Taurus stellium in May of this year. So it could be a really great time for travel, doing artistic stuff, um, going to see some movies. Um, There also might be some economic justice coming its way, but it could just be a great time to just uh, hang out with your friends, do beautiful things, go outside, indulge in the five earthly senses. It's really going to be a good month. Uh, But I also want to touch on Pluto retrograding back into Capricorn later this year. Yes. Okay. So, as we discussed, um, Pluto is moving into Aquarius right now. It is going to go retrograde back into Capricorn um, from September 1st of this year until November 19th. um, Before re-entering Aquarius uh, until the mid-2040s, as we said. So, view the Pluto retrograde in Capricorn at this period as like a season finale. There might be some drama. It's so interesting. It's happening during an election season or an election cycle. Hmm.
0: Right. Hmm. Like right there.
1: Right. Hmm. It's almost as if they might plan their stuff around astrological cycles, just like Wall Street. Anyway, uh, we're going to be revisiting some themes that were also prominent the last time there was a Pluto retrograde in uh, Capricorn. So um, there was the stock market kerfuffle in 2008 along, uh, that happened in conjunction with Occupy Wall Street. That was a thing people mm-hmm. were doing back then. That's right. Uh, <laughs> right? It was pretty big. <laughs> right. Um, last time Pluto retrograde in Capricorn was happening, there was a rise in um, the support of Donald Trump. Uh, there was the creation of Bitcoin. There was the idea of the Brexit, which took a long time to happen. Like, it took a minute, right? Um, there was the Me Too movement. It was around 2010. Um, we also experienced during 2020... Jeffrey Epstein shenanigans um, and then COVID uh, pandemonium. And then what we were witnessing as well during that Pluto retrograde in Capricorn 2020 was an expo- um, the exposing of corruption or major, um, major structural shakeups, um, illuminating that which is not sustainable. So, yeah, Pluto retrograde in Capricorn is like the last roar, the last attempt at... Um, the powers that be trying to maintain the status quo or the old paradigm of business, which is mostly run by um unconscious capitalism. So how can we, in this new age of air that we're entering uh, with Pluto and Aquarius, how can we how can we apply more consciousness to capitalism? How can we lift up others as we lift up ourselves? you know, because the more the economy expands, the more everybody thrives. There's no need to engage in the shadow aspect of Capricorn where you're hoarding or thinking that you have to be greedy because there's not enough. We're entering a new age of abundance for all. Mm,
0: yes, that that resonates so much for me. Um, and it's so interesting. What I'm noticing right now for myself is how much I've been talking about these themes for the last, especially the last several years, right? That sense of there is enough there is enough for everyone, especially when we are all in our own, um, in our own zone of what we love to do. If you dive into your uniqueness, no one else is like you. And that, that in and of itself means that you have opportunities that other people don't have. And we all do. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's all of us. We all have our own uniqueness. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that sense of hoarding, right? The sense of hoarding money, keeping it out of circulation, right? That that is actually harming so many people around the globe. Um, not in the sense of you having, you know, a, an appropriate amount of cash reserve in your savings account. That's not hoarding. We're talking about right. billions and trillions of dollars, right? Being hoarded by a small number of people. That is a very different energy from allowing Allowing people to grow, um yeah, more organically, right? And having, allowing, like, like you said, the prosperity that is inherent with when we lift up more segments of the population, that creates more opportunity across the board. It's really, really, truly phenomenal what can happen when we allow our money to move through the economy appropriately. Right. So I love that. Yep. I love that it's all coming out.
1: Yeah. And and that's the thing. Um, I've been reading this past week, um, a book called From Head Shops to Whole Foods, The Rise and Fall of Activist Entrepreneurs by Joshua Clark Davis. Uh, So it's really good book to read Uh, as we're entering that Aquarius age. And um, there was a lot of Neptunian influences during um, the 60s and 70s. Uh, So that's another discussion. But the point of the book is, I think a lot of people at the time were trying to tie activism and revolution with business but how can you if you're operating in the same structure that's why we should all be socialists and it's like it didn't really work out a lot of these businesses in this book um, they failed because they didn't have a relationship with money <laughs> they did not want to deal with financial planning they did not keep records uh and they also just felt bad about money and like i, I think it came from a good place for most of these businesses but if anger was leading most of them mm. so it's like well Okay, I understand how you don't like that Say said corporation is hoarding billions and trillions of dollars. But instead of just being angry about it, what if we could get into the higher vibration of compassion and forgiveness and say, hmm, these people running these mega corporations that are hoarding all this money, I actually really feel sorry for them that they have such a low consciousness that they think they have to do it in the first place. I, I genuinely feel bad because I'm like, man, that's the, the, what else are they scarce about? What else is their life like? So instead of, um, as we move into this humanitarian sign that is about revolution, we don't want to move in anger. We want to move in understanding and compassion, believe it or not. Uh, And as you were saying as well, when you're talking about uniqueness and standing in your uniqueness, so much of unconscious capitalism and very Capricornian thought, which is very into reason, right, is how can I find a gap in the marketplace and then morph myself to fit that gap and then get people... That can work in some instances, um, but if you're a heart-centered entrepreneur listening to this podcast, it's more of how can I show up in my own natural radiance so that way things just flow easier? You don't have to shove yourself in a weird box. Oh, yeah. that It always
0: leads to burnout. It works. It can work, like you said. It, right. it can absolutely be successful, quote-unquote successful, by way of earning dollars with yes. it, but when that leads to your own emotional mental spiritual burnout and breakdown that's not a success it doesn't feel it doesn't feel sustainable because it's not right so how how do we move into sustainable conscious mm. capitalism i love that question right so we will end it there we could go on forever i'm sure there's so much um that we could talk about but melanie thank you so much for being here again and let us know one more time how people can get a hold of you
1: Yes. Thanks for having me on here again. It's been fun. So uh, if anyone wants to connect with me, you can find me at MelanieMarisol.com. That's so M-E-L-A-N-I-E-M-A-R-I-S-O-L.com. You can also find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is I am Melanie Marisol, And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I think I might be the only Melanie Marisol there. Uh, so if you're more of a LinkedIn person, you can find me there. Um, So yes. And of course, if you want to get a crash course, uh, foundational guide of astrology. You can find me at com slash gift and you can sign up there. Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: And next time something big is happening, we'll check in with you again. Thanks, Melanie. Uh, thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at expansiveceo.com and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at expansiveceo.com and at xsquaredwealthplanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, wealthplanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough. You are enough. And your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.